Welcome back to a bold edition here of Canton Bound. On tonight's show, uh, Colin and I are going to talk a little bit about the 2021 rookie class, along with a QB competition that might be brewing in the NFC East. And as always, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And uh, right before we came on air here, we were talking a little bit. Uh, uh, Colin, you were saying that you didn't get to finish watching The Office before it moved over to Peacock. I know, I know a lot of people are feeling that struggle right now. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it all the way through. Um, I think t- two full times all the way through. But uh, my girlfriend and I were, were starting to watch it. We were looking for something else to watch. And we started it, and, and we just started it too late before they took it off. Then we only got through about half, three quarters of season five. Nice. Yeah, that that two watch throughs is rookie numbers. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I think I think my wife and I have probably watched it at least it double digits for sure. But we we actually we joke when we talk to people, we'll say like, have you seen the office or do you watch the office? Mm. Because there's like a distinct difference. It sounds like you've <laughs> seen the office, but you, you don't watch the office. I yeah, I think based on your criteria there, I would say I I have seen The Office, but I can I can throw some quotes around, and you know I'm not going to embarrass anybody on a tr- Office trivia team. So, well, uh, how about this? If you uh, if you impress me on tonight's show, maybe I'll let you have my Peacock login. Yeah, I I don't have the Peacock login. I mean, that's like just another streaming service that I didn't really feel like paying for because I didn't really have a lot on there that I wanted to watch, but. With seasons, everything but seasons one and two being behind a paywall, I may have to get that. Yeah, I feel like we could just do a whole show that's me ranting about streaming services now um, and how many I have. But that's, yeah, that's just, like I said, that's just a whole other episode for a whole other day. Um, so let's just jump into some some content here while we're, while we're on the air. Uh, so one of the big dynasty storylines, I think, down the home stretch this year uh, was the Eagles' handling of their QB situation. It just at a base level, I mean, they finally benched Wentz. People were calling for that all year. It's not atypical for Philly fans to call for their quarterback's head. Um, so I actually didn't think they'd do it. Like, I was like, yeah, I mean, their fans can ask whatever they want, but they're just like a bunch of maniacs. But they did it. They benched him for Jalen Hurts. So they took this year in the second round out of Oklahoma. And Hurts flashed a little bit at times. I, I don't think he was great, but his rushing ability, you know, really helped them compete a little bit better so i guess that's all you can really ask for from your quarterback so moving forward here colin uh assuming that sudfeld is not in the running for the job (laughs) which eagles quarterback do you prefer uh well i first want to start off by saying we mean no disrespect philly fans uh i lived in philly for two years (laughs) he might i don't i lived in philly for two years um i've actually i've only been outside of philly for a little over nine months now um, so I, I know, I know what Philly fans are like. I got to experience some of that firsthand, but, um, so I know that they get a little riled up, very passionate and, you know, called for Wentz's job. And I mean, Hertz has looked, he has, he provided a little bit of a spark for that team, but I mean, overall, I don't think Hertz is a better quarterback than Wentz still. I mean, yeah, Wentz had a pretty down year this year. You know, he was 30 numbers, 37 quarterback in adjusted yards per attempt, uh, according to player profiler, which that puts a premium on passing TDs and discounts for INTs, which I think we've talked about that a little bit before on the show here. Um, You know, he was number 34 in accuracy rating. He was number two in interceptable passes. Um, But, you know, so he had a down year for sure. But, you know, he was also he did his receivers averaged five dropped passes a game. 
And I mean, I'm not going to go into the, the wide receiver core issues. I mean, I think that's well documented and I don't need to beat a dead horse here. And both QBs had to deal with poor wide receivers. Um, but, you know, Wentz offers a little bit more on the ground than, than what people typically realize. Um, he's no, he's not Jalen Hurts. You know, Jalen Hurts is more of that Konami code QB. Wentz is more in the Aaron Rodgers realm, Tannehill realm, where, you know, he'll give you some yards on some scrambles and maybe on a designed run or two here and there. Uh, but he was number 11 in QB rush yards this year, despite not playing in the, the last was like four or five games. Um, he was number six in QB rush TDs. 2019, he was number 10 in QB rush yards too. So it's a pretty consistent theme there. Um, but jumping back to 2019, you know, it was a much better year in, in 2019. And, and I mean, people still wasn't a great year. It wasn't his 2017 year where he had some MVP talks. But, you know, 2019, he was battling, you know, it was his first full year back from that AC, that torn ACL. Uh, from the end of 2017, because he didn't play a full year in 2018. Took him a little while to get back into it. And and there, we've talked a little bit about that mental hurdle, too, that you can get coming back from an injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with, in 2019, he was number five in accuracy rating. Um, you know, he was number 19 true completion percentage. He was number 13 in adjusted air yards per per attempt. Um, so, you know, he was he was above average of a quarterback last year. So yes, he had a down year this year for sure. And yeah, they kind of pulled the hook on him there, but you know, I'm not ready to give up on Wentz personally. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how you feel about it. No, he's one of my big buys this off season. Um, Cause I think he's going to be just dirt cheap. Um, and conversely uh, Hertz is going to be one of my big sells. Cause I think you can get a lot for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I would definitely that. agree with that. I mean, my, I'll say my biggest concern with Wentz, is actually something pe- people aren't really talking about is he's he's 29 years old or he's just about to be 29 years old. Um, so, you know, that's right in the prime of your career. And that's a little bit more. He's not on the upswing anymore. You know, whereas Hertz, who's 22, you know, you can argue he's on the upswing there. Um, so, I mean, my, my concern a little bit is the age there from at least from a dynasty perspective where. I, I'm, I'm fine buying him, um, especially because, like you said, he's going to be dirt cheap. But that is something to keep in the back of your mind where he's not as young as people might think he is because he was an older prospect coming out. Well, I guess if you're selling him, I probably wouldn't lead with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. If I, I mean, I'm not selling him. So so that's that's fine. Like I'll talk up that age in a, to give myself a little bit more of a discount there to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I know when we broke this down, like we were like, "Oh, let's talk about this," and you just claimed Wentz right away, and I was like, "I'll take Hurts, yeah. whatever." Yeah, um, but I'm not even going to talk about how good Hurts is because I don't think he's good. So, like, this isn't going to be a debate. This is going to be like mostly agreement. Um, <laughs> like, literally, the only thing that Jalen Hurts has over Wentz, in my opinion, is his legs, which, granted, is a big thing in today's NFL. Like, we always talk about the Konami Code, and even just like you know, the Eagles just look like a better team with a quarterback that that was mo- more mobile. I mean, Wentz isn't a statue, you know, he's not Tom Brady, but he's not Lamar Jackson either. You know, like if that's the spectrum, you know, he's he's probably closer to Tom Brady than Hurts is, you know, on that yeah. scale. So, but like Hurts, so Hurts he was at Bama, he gets usurped by Tua, a freshman Tua. And freshman Tua was like solid, but he you know, he wasn't a world beater. Um and then he transferred to Oklahoma. And the Oklahoma offenses, I mean, we think of them as just these juggernauts. The offense was worse in virtually every single category 
uh, between like 2018 and then 2019. I should have looked at 2022 to see if it rebounded. Um, but like, if you look at the 2018 offense versus 2019 with Hertz there, they averaged almost 40 fewer yards per game, uh, a couple fewer first downs, more turnovers, um, more penalties. I don't know if you can really blame that one on them or not, but they just like, they were, they were worse in virtually every single category. Um, and you could tell, like even watching them that Riley had to simplify that offense. He had to get rid of some of the stuff that he likes to run, um, specifically like deep stuff because Hertz just doesn't have that arm. Like he's yeah. not a deep, accurate passer. He's like literally the antithesis of Justin Herbert as a passer where you're fine with him passing side to side all day, but you don't want him really taking those shots downfield because he just isn't very good at it. Uh, he's right. never excelled at that. So then he came into the league this year and I was looking um, like he, he looked bad as a passer. And here's the thing that worries me. Like the Konami code is great and it's really good for fantasy, but if you can't learn to pass like Josh Allen has, like if you can't raise your you know base level, you're going to get replaced. Like, so yeah, you're going to score a lot of points, but if I only have you for three years before you get, you know, you, someone, they, they draft someone over you and then, you know, you're now your career backup. That's not very valuable to me. If you look at some of their accuracy, like advanced accuracy numbers, bad pass percentage, um, Wentz has about 21.9%, which is terrible this year, but Hertz, Hertz was at 26.7. Like that's awful, awful. Yeah. He only, only 60% of his passes were considered on target. And he had a way lower drop percentage than Wentz did. Yeah. A way lower pressure like uh, percentage. And you can say like that's because of his legs a little bit. But the Eagles line just seemed like they wanted to block for him more. Like maybe they hate Carson. I don't really know. It was like the longest yard, you know, like where they just let the guys through the line like right <laughs> off the snap. Because like they actually look at they gave a shit when Hurts is back there. And it didn't look like that when they had Wentz. So like I, I just look at all this stuff and I'm like, I don't like Hurts. Not only like he would have to take a Josh Allen size leap and it might even have to be a bigger leap. And the problem is he doesn't have the physical gifts as a thrower that Josh Allen does. So I'm not counting Jalen Hurts out per se. I just I just don't think like I'm not going to bet on two guys to do that consecutively. You know, right. I'm not going to bet on Josh Allen to go from horrid to to very good passer and then bet on Jalen Hurts to do the same thing two years later. I just don't think that's a winning bet. And I've heard people selling him for like mid first and stuff this year. Like, holy crap, if I can get something like that for him, he's gone. I don't have him anywhere, um, but I'd gladly sell for that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talked about you don't want to bet on, you know, Hertz doing what Josh Allen did. But like how many of us actually bet on what Josh Allen did? Like, I know I didn't. Yeah, you know, I don't think yeah. you know, I think we talked about it, too. Like you didn't either. So like that's an I think we can safely say that that's kind of an outlier performance. Like, you know, I don't necessarily see somebody coming in with Josh Allen's profile and Josh Allen's flaws and necessarily turning it around. I don't see that happening all that often. You know, they typically go more the way of a Blake Bortles, um, yeah. you know, where they flash here and there. And then, like you said, they just kind of they get replaced because they just can't get it done. And you know, obviously not a one for one comp or anything like that, but I think I could see Hertz doing that as well. But that also assumes that they go with Hertz next year as the quarterback. I mean, there were a lot of people who were upset that Hertz got pulled in the end and the end of that last game there for Sudfeld, including uh, Hertz. It looked like, yeah, yeah. Well, Hertz is a competitor. I mean, it, you know, say anything you want about yeah. it, but you can't deny that. Like he's always been a competitor. 
you know, it, even in his days in college, like you would always see that. But, you know, with, with Wentz, there's no out in his contract. There's $59 million in dead money next year. Like this. Yeah. you can't get that out. I mean, maybe you can trade that if you take a bunch of it, but I don't know if they're even going to necessarily be able to trade him. Now in 2022, that drops to 24 million in dead money, which obviously still not ideal, but much more manageable than 59 million dollars. So I think you're going to have it's just going to be this back and forth kind of all off season. So I don't, I don't know if if Hertz even necessarily is going to be the starter next year because. Yeah, Wentz struggled towards the end of the year here, but I think we we both agree that he's just a better overall passer. And one of the other things that um, you know is, is concerns me about Hertz is his completion percentage under pressure was twenty nine point six percent. So when he does get pressure, it's not good. Yeah. So you know how long can he sustain this you know production, and how long can he be a viable NFL quarterback? I don't know but I'm not willing to bet on him and I would go bet on Wentz more. How pissed do you think the Eagles were today? Cause you know, they're like trying to draft up all these like trade scenarios to get rid of Wentz. And then the news drops that Deshaun Watson's like also on the block. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, we'll see if Deshaun Watson's actually on the yeah. block. I mean, yeah. he's upset and he's vocalized that he's upset, but I think, I mean, and I don't know that much about Nick Casario, but I think he's, a well-respected enough guy coming from that Belichick tree that he'll be able to smooth things over with Watson. And I think that's going to kind of blow over. So I think the Eagles just need to take a second here before they try to trade one of those two. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think they got to be a little bit concerned about that at least. Cause there's also Stafford who's rumored to be on the market. Um, you have Matt Ryan too, but again, Matt Ryan has contract issues as well, where they're not necessarily going to be able to trade him. It uh, wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers were potentially looking to move Jimmy G. So I think there's a lot of QBs that could be on the move this year. And with that contract situation, the Eagles may be left holding the bag. Yeah, great year to try to move a big contract when the cap dropped $22 million. It's just <laughs> like it's like the worst possible convergence of events for teams that are trying to get out of those holes this offseason. It, it's going to be a really crazy offseason. I mean, yeah. crazy in the sense that like I don't, I don't know if we'll see a lot of moves because, yeah, like people are going to be a little limited, but just – see how teams deal with that, you know, that reality that, that is about to smack them in the face. Right. Cause what, what, with the Eagles, um, with the Eagles essentially throwing that game, they get what, I think it's the sixth pick. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I think it's a sixth. Yeah. They get the sixth pick. And at that point, you know, you obviously Lawrence going one, you know, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that fields goes to, you know, they may, the jets may, you know, hang on to Darnold. Uh, then you got the Falcons at three, who I would personally love if they took Fields or Wilson and, and groomed them for Matt Ryan's successor, but I don't think that's a foregone conclusion either. Then you got the Bengals at four, who are going to take, uh, or there's the Dolphins of. I think Dolphin, the, Dolphins. the Dolphins have the third three. pick from Houston. Atlanta's at four. Yeah. Gee, Dolphins. You a Falcons fan? You don't even know what pick you have. <laughs> the Dolphins are four or three. The Falcons are four, but the Dolphins aren't going to take a quarterback. Then you get the Bengals at five, who they're not going to take one. So maybe you see a little bit of trade up there, but there's the Eagles could be looking at a potential quarterback sitting there at six. So now you got to wonder, do they like either of those guys? Um, we, I don't we, think, but yeah. we're we're veering so far off course here. But <laughs> I could see the Dolphins taking a quarterback too. 
Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that's smart. You know, that's, I'm not like saying the saying that I would do that, but I think there's a lot of possibility to play around with some stuff at the top of this draft, depending on what the jets do. The jets are the big linchpin in my opinion, depending on what they, what they think they want to do. Um, so, and I can't imagine the jets would trade with Miami. No, I don't think they would either, but, um, I, I mean, yeah, like this is something definitely we can get a lot more into this offseason, yeah. but I do think it's going to be a really interesting offseason overall, especially for quarterback movement. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually I'm looking at the draft order here. Did you know the Chargers won seven games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, uh, they kind of came on um, like not the very end of the year, but like towards the end of the year, like the they the won back. their last four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right when they didn't want to win, they did it. Good, good for them. Yeah, well, they beat the Falcons in there, too, so that's fine. There you go. All right, so let's move on here uh, before we just get way more lost <laughs> in that discussion. Uh, that really, really got away from me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we We thought tonight would be a fun uh, you know, night to play a little bit of a, a guessing game, I guess. And we took some of the surprising players and situations from the 2020 class, and we're going to try to predict maybe what players or situations will mirror those those fortunes from 2021. And the big the big hang up here, obviously, is we don't know landing spot. So we are doing this based solely on our projections as of today. I mean, we still have four or five months to watch right. tape and you know do some extra evaluating and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but I mean, we're both big, like overall talent over situation guys. So I think this is going to be a fun exercise for the two of us. Yeah, I agree. I was, I was glad when you kind of, when we were spitballing ideas for the show and you kind of came up with this one, I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, Definitely something interesting. Um, like you said, definitely some su- things that are going to be subject to change as we, you know, really dive into the 2020 tape. But I think this yeah. will be a fun segment. Yeah. You're really buttering me up. You want that Peacock login. I can see <laughs> I it in your eyes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off here um, with saying who is going to be this year's Justin Jefferson. And when we say this year's Justin Jefferson, we mean a guy that has just, you know, just becomes extremely fantasy relevant year one. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a guy like obviously we don't expect someone to come in after he just broke the rookie receiving record to then break his record. Like we're not saying that it has to be that level. But yeah, just a guy like I mean, Jefferson was wide receiver six in full PPR. So maybe a guy that you think has the chance to be, you know, close to a positional one at whatever position that might be. So who, who's your guy, Colin? Right. So another way that I was looking at the Justin Jefferson thing, too, is, um, yeah, breakout year one. But like, obviously, Justin Jefferson wasn't the top guy in that class. Now, I mean, you know, Jerry, Judy and C.D. Lamb, one, two, however you organize them. And then there was kind of like a different tier where you kind of had Jefferson Higgins, um, you know, some other guys there in that tier Ragers, we got into that tier for people. So it was a little bit murky there in that three, four five range. So my guy is a guy who's in the back half of that for me right now. Um, and that would be Amon Ross St. Brown from USC. Um, and I do see, and obviously this isn't a one for one comp or anything like that, but I do see a lot of similarities in St. Brown's game with Jefferson overall. I think they're both guys who are better in the slot, but I think they're both guys who can play out wide in two wide receiver sets. Uh, now, that was one of the concerns I know a lot of people had about Jefferson coming in is you know, a lot of people thought, oh, he's kind of only a slot guy. But when you looked back at the 2018 season, he played a lot outside. 
And where Amon Ra mostly does play in the slot, you do see him play all over in the games. You know, he gets snaps out wide uh, every game, you know, pretty much. You know, it's, a, it's only a handful, but it's definitely some snap some snaps outside. So I don't think he's limited to being a slot receiver. Uh, and then I think they're both also pretty sharp route runners. Um, St. Brown gets in and out of his breaks very quickly. Um, you know, he also decelerates very well, uh, especially on those comeback routes. So, uh, and then after that, you know, they're both good athletes. So they do offer, they both offered a little bit more yak ability. I think it's a little bit sneakier. Um, you know, I liked Jeff, Justin Jefferson's yak ability after that, but I know people were kind of questioning his athleticism until he silenced that at the combine. And I don't think you're going to see as many people question him on Ross St. Brown's athleticism. I think it's a little bit better, more documented that, you know, everybody's kind of in agreement that he's a pretty good athlete. He's got good long speed. You know, he's not necessarily, he's not going to get caught from behind. Like I mentioned, good stop start ability, changes direction very well. Um, so I think they both have that yak ability there. Um, but I, I think that with St. Brown, you know, if he, and I, I don't want to paraphrase this in a way that seems like I'm, you know, trying to cop out. Um, and say it's all about the system. But if he doesn't go to the wrong system, I think he can step into a role right away. And by the wrong system, I mean something that is a lot more two wide receiver heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if he gets into a three wide receiver system, uh, you know, he can and where he can play a lot more in the short and intermediate area as well with some deep shots mixed in. Um, you know, I think if he gets into a system that kind of fits that, then I think you could see him have a big breakout year one that comes from a little bit off of the radar well people would have said the same thing about justin jefferson last year too though so um in terms of you know right. he probably should go to a three wide receiver team and he went to, to minnesota and did really well so yeah i think almond raw is becoming more of like a forgotten guy in this class and i think the pack 12 guys are just all suffering from that this year like in all yeah. aspects you know uh rookie guys like on the c2c side like on the, the campus side uh, i think a lot of those guys have have kind of been forgotten um just a couple of notes that I have for my, my Amon Ra's scouting report here. So he, you, you're, you're right. He is very athletic, but he's not flexible at all. He is a very stiff player. It's very, very weird. He is almost like the anti Justin Jefferson in terms of like Jefferson is just this fluid loose. Like he's like water, you know, like you pour the water, you know, and it kind of flows through, you know, whatever. And it, it gets to the end. And Amon Ra is almost more like a hammer. Like he, he's just, he's very very stiff, and I think part of that is probably due to the fact that with his wacko father, who yeah. the, like doesn't believe in stretching and like all that shit, because it really pissed off like all the Green Bay people or whatever. Because uh, or yeah, because his brother like doesn't stretch. Yeah. They were like, no, you have to stretch, and he's like, no, I don't do that. My dad says like I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, so. I think um, I think you you definitely bring up a good point there. Um, as far as his athleticism, he doesn't you don't see the lateral agility that you necessarily want to see. He's definitely more of a straight line guy. Like I said, you see a lot more stop start, um, yeah. you know, and quick deceleration there rather than you know the the like real ju like the, the, the juking people out of their shoes and stuff like that. But I do think he gets you know he gets in and out of his breaks well on, on route running. He so does. So I think you can see a path where he can definitely improve the lateral agility there. You know, I, I haven't heard any reports of him being like a knucklehead or anything like that, or being like uncoachable. Like you kind of heard a little bit about with the um, where, like you said, he just like refused to stretch. 
Now, maybe it's like West Coasts and like over here on the East Coast, we don't hear that as much, but I, I think he's a little bit more coachable. Yeah. The only other note that I have here that I think you didn't really hit on, you know, that you didn't really hit on is that I thought um, he probably, I haven't watched everybody yet and I haven't watched much of him from this year yet. So I, but I think I feel pretty confident in saying that he is one of the best in this class at stacking and shedding in his route stems. He is so good at it. Once he gets a defender on his hip, like they have no chance. He is, he is, he is very like um, Higgins was my guy last year. I thought he was probably the best in the class last year. And he does it really. Amon Ra does it very, very well too, um, which it just stood out to me right away as, as a huge strength of his, which is very translatable in my opinion too. Yeah, no, that is, that's a great point. I do think that is a very translatable skill of his. So, you know, that's something that, again, you know, right role, uh, right system, like not the wrong system. We'll say it that way. You know, he could step in and, and play right away, I think, and yeah. and have success. Yeah. Um, so I, I also chose a wide receiver. I guess maybe we both had wide receiver on the brain because we we phrased it as Justin Jefferson. Um, yeah. My guy's Terrace Marshall from LSU here. Um, and he he's a guy that, like, he's my wide receiver. Let me look here real quick before I say this. He is my wide receiver seven right now. And Amon Ra is my wide receiver six. So they are right beside each other in my rankings. But Marshall, in my opinion, is the only guy that I have like in my top like eight to ten that has the traditional alpha profile in this year's wide receiver class. Like, and when I say traditional alpha, I think we mean, you know, he's big, he's very athletic, he can he, you know, his I think his game is pretty well rounded. Um, I think he can do a little bit of everything. So I don't have a round one grade on him right now, but I, I anticipate that he goes there because I think a team is going to say, you know, I think teams are going to be regretting missing out on DK Metcalf a little bit. Right. And I don't think Marshall is a Metcalf level player, but I think people are going to say, let's go get us a Metcalf, you know, our Metcalf light and see what we can do with this, this kid. Um, there are like he he has some concerns. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna you know his, his profile isn't all you know rainbows and sunshine. He his hands are a little bit inconsistent. I didn't notice it quite as much this year as I did the year before. But he definitely can get a little bit of the case of the dropsies. And the other big thing that I think analytics guys aren't gonna like is he doesn't technically have a breakout. Now, if you look at the context of this year where he opted out like four games, I think before the end of the year or three games, maybe. So I think technically if you do it on a game by game basis and not like team overall at the end of the year, I think technically he would have broken out this year as a junior. Yeah. But if you don't do that, like I I know a lot of people just, it's, it's too tough to like go through and like figure out who missed what games and like, try to calculate that. So people will just do, you know, blanket. And I think he hit 19% this year. That's the closest he got. He was like 11% or 12% or something last year. So I think there are there are reasons to fade him, but there also are a lot of things to like about him. Right. And I think to your point about him not technically having a breakout age, you know, DK Metcalf didn't technically break out either, correct? Like it was a per game basis that you had to factor it in until he yeah. had that. Yeah. So I think I do think doing it on a per game basis is the better way to go with it. But like you said, it it is very difficult to do that, to calculate that manually and go through all of the games. I mean, somebody smarter than us out there, I'm sure has the ability to, you know, automate some system somehow and, and pull it in and factor it all through game by game if they want. But, you know, if you're just a little bit more old school, you're not quite as, as tech savvy, you do have to go in and calculate it manually, but through seven games this year, if you look at it, 
I mean, there's no way he didn't break out. He had 731 yards and 10 touchdowns in seven games. You know, yeah. so yeah, he had he had a monster season until he opted out. And I think he opted out at a point where he did, you know, people have a tendency to go with recency bias. So, you know, they're going to kind of, you know, Alave is going to get a big bump after his game he just had. I expect him to have a nice game here, um, you know, tomorrow or not tomorrow. It's not Sunday. Uh, on Monday as well. Um, you know, I expect him to have a nice game there too. So I think he could get a bump from that. And I think Marshall's going to kind of get forgotten about a little bit. I think he's going to get, he's not necessarily going to fall down people's boards, but people will jump him. Um, so I, I do think that that's a good call there with, with Marshall, I think. And you mentioned the alpha profile as well, where the league is kind of tending more towards the smaller guys, quick uh, guys who can, you know, offer something with the yak game, you know, cause you're seeing a lot more of that with your CD lambs, your Jerry Judy's, your, you know, uh, AJ Brown's Brandon, Ayuk's, guys like that. Uh, whereas, you know, when you can get a dominant alpha, uh, profile like a DK or, you know, somebody else like that, I think that that's something that teams are going to covet because you do still need production from an outside wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And just raw tape grade. I have him, very very similarly graded um you know not like athletically but to t higgins um yeah. like i like that's about the grade that i have on him so um and we saw what higgins did this year so i yeah i mean it's another good year for wide receiver i think a lot of those guys are going to contribute early but i think both those guys have a have a good shot to go out and do something pretty big their first year yeah, yeah i would agree with that yeah um so let's move on to the next one here we have this year's james robinson and we mean by that that a guy that, you know, I think I mean, we both pick guys that aren't going to get drafted, but just a guy that right. kind of comes out of nowhere. There's no expectations. They might even be buried on a depth chart to start the year. I mean, if they're undrafted, you know, you're not planning on starting an undrafted guy day one. Um, no. But, yeah, just a guy that, that we think can it can kind of come out of nowhere and, and pop up on radars and gain a ton of value for people. Yeah, and I think uh, – you know, I think we both we both took like a more of a G five approach to that as well. So, I mean, maybe you could find a P five guy like that. But I think typically your guys that come out of nowhere after being undrafted are your G five guys. And I mean, James Robinson was at an FC at the FCS level. So, I mean, he absolutely dominated it. You know, eighteen hundred ninety nine yards, eighteen touchdowns as a senior. Finished his career with four thousand four hundred and forty four yards, which I just thought that was kind of interesting. All fours, um, but. You know, so he dominated at a lower level. But my guy is uh, for this is CJ Maribel uh, from Coastal Carolina. And I mean, he's a guy I talked about episode one. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, you know, definitely go back and listen to it. But don't judge me too hard on it because I've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if we want to send him back to episode one. <laughs> you know, I'm assuming if you listen back. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm assuming if you listen to this one and you like this one, and you like some of the other shows, you'll, you'll give me a pass on episode one. Um, but with C.J. Maribel, you know, he's a guy who, who was very productive, um, you know, for, for two years there. Uh, 2019, 204 carries, 1,085 yards, 11 touchdowns. Uh, and he offers a lot in the passing game as well. He had 38 catches for 295 and three touchdowns. And then this year, uh, more or less the same. He had less carries. He had 169 carries for 887 yards and 12 TDs. And then 37 catches for 228 and seven touchdowns. 
Um, now, uh, Grayson McCall did have 111 carries this year, too. So that partially plays into the role of why he didn't have as many carries this year as he did last year. The next closest running back, um, you know, wasn't even really that close in carries. I think it was like 68. So he still dominated the backfield. And he averaged, you know, 5.2 and 5.3 yards per carry both those years. And I know yards per carry is not the best metric to go off of, but it still does show that he's just like an above average, you know, running back there. Um, and I think, you know, he, I think he has a real shot to to show something in these uh, offseason collegiate you know, games with the Shrine Bowl, which he was invited to. He was also invited to the uh, NFL or the East West. They're not playing that game this year. Wait, which one? East West. Any of any of them except for the Senior Bowl. I'm pretty sure they're not playing any of them. At least well, that's what I had originally heard. Unless okay. they've changed something. Let me. Look what's the point? What's the point of the invite then? Um, I think just to have it on their resume. You know, like they if we, had we had you know a game this year, you would yeah. have. Yeah, at least it says, yeah, it was canceled due to coronavirus. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of disappointing because, you know, part of the part of the thing that put, at least part of the thing that put James Robinson on my radar was that East-West Shrine Bowl performance. Uh, you know, he had seven carries for 80 yards and a touchdown and then two catches for 56 yards through the air. And, you know, in an all-star game, you don't get a ton of work. So he really showed out in that game. Yeah, and then obviously James Robinson – you know, he so he only had a, a 46440, but he had 125 inch and a 40 inch uh, broad, uh, 125 inch broad and a 40 inch vert, which was good for a 92nd percentile burst score. So he's a very bursty athlete. Um, and I don't think Maribel's going to be that level of a bursty athlete, but I do think Maribel's faster. You know, you see Maribel have some breakaway runs there. So I think they're both underrated athletes in that aspect. So I, I would. And with Coastal Carolina having a really nice year this year, Maribel may end up as a late day three pick. It's definitely possible, um, but he's just a guy to keep on, keep a tab on. And you know, if he goes into a situation where James Robinson did, where you know they traded Fournette and the running back room is wide open, then all of a sudden, you know, I think Maribel could be a guy that could claim a nice role there. Yeah, I could see that, and I, I mean, I don't really have anything to add to that. Um, I know you're a big Maribel guy. Um, and he, he'll probably be one of your guys throughout the process here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, my guy's pretty similar to that. I mean, I, I picked Spencer Brown here from UAB. Um, and he's, he's in a, like, he's got a nice size. He's six foot two twenty. Um, I have him, I have him graded as an undrafted player right now. Um, so I think he'll go undrafted, uh, or at least I have him like right on the border. Um, but I, I, it's such a weak running back class. A team could fall in love with somebody, you know, late and take them. Um, but I just think like, he's never put up like great uh, yards per carry numbers, but he's done pretty well compared to his teammates. And I think he is, while not a great athlete, I think like with James Robinson, you know, he's, he, he can do some things athletically, you know, he's not a snail out there either. The big thing that's going to, exactly. He's not Benny snail. The big, the big thing that's going to hurt him is that, I don't want to say that he can't catch because UAB doesn't use their running backs like that. But the times that I've watched him catch passes, it hasn't looked overwhelmingly convincing either. And James Robinson made some very nice catches this year. I mean, he had that over the shoulder, you know, deeper touchdown grab a couple weeks ago or whatever. So I think that probably hurts Brown a little bit. 
but I just don't have like a lot of late round running backs this year. I mean, I guess that's the allure of this question because I don't think anybody really loved James Robinson last year either, but just looking at my list, like there's nobody that jumps off the screen that I'm thinking, you know, well, this guy's a good athlete, you know, maybe he'll go somewhere nice or, you know, this guy's yeah. got a nice profile. Like it's just a kind of a bunch of blah after two, after one and two. Yeah, no, I honestly, I agree with that. I think this class is, you know, definitely top heavy on the running backs and, uh, you know, like you said, nobody was really on James Robinson. The only guy I heard mention James Robinson pre-draft, um, I'm pretty sure it was J.J. Zacharyson. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. I heard him because um, I, I like his pod a lot, um, especially because it's short. You know, he's not long-winded like us where he just keeps going and going. <laughs> Speak for um, yourself. Speak for yourself. But yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there with the biggest concern with Brown is the pass catching ability. You know, only 20 total catches in his four year career. And I mean, he started, you know, all four years. He was dominant as a freshman, you know, 1300 yards, 10 touchdowns as a freshman. Um, But just only have 20 catches through the career is definitely a little bit of a flag for me. Um, and you know, I'll have to dig into to Spencer Brown a little bit more to see if, like you said, it's a little bit more scheme based versus ability. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's a good call. I think he'll definitely go undrafted. Yeah, I will shoot my shot, though. I'll say uh, since we both picked running backs here, if I had to pick a wide receiver that would fill this void um, and I'm not even sure if he'll go undrafted because he just got a senior bowl invite. But they're also giving out way more senior bowl invites this year, I think, to kind of counteract um you know, the, the other game's not playing, but I, I could see Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. He's my top undrafted guy right now, and I could see him going somewhere and making a, a decent career out of it. Yeah, no, I think it's a good call. He's definitely a forgotten guy. Um, you know, he was a guy. Is he on a roster in our C2C league? I know in the, in the one dispersal that I was in, he was an option to pick up, and I took him, but then I ended up dropping him. Yeah, I don't think he is because I had him watch listed all year. I liked him a lot. Um, they just like that offense is literally just like Cunningham, Hawkins, yeah. and um, Tutu. And Tutu. Yeah. Like they literally nobody else in that offense did anything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, wasn't necessarily worth picking up. But that's that's another guy that like if, if we're not just sticking to running back, you know, maybe he right. goes somewhere. And they all, they, they tend to, I think like Nagy will give out interviews. Like he asks NFL teams who they like. And yeah. then like kind of bases what he's doing off of that, so he's not wasting anybody's time. So I, I'm guessing Fitzpatrick might get drafted. I don't know, depending on how he does at practices and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I think senior bowl guys. Do you, you're right; they do tend to get drafted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's move on to the next one here. We have this year's Justin Herbert. Uh, pretty self-explanatory one. Um, just uh, you mean, uh, and we we looked mostly quarterback here for this one. But a guy, I mean, Herbert would never have really gotten a shot this year because that's such a conservative team um, if the Chargers team doctor wasn't just, like, grossly negligent. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so yeah, Herbert went in there, took that job, and he never gave it back. And um, so who do you think can do that this year? Yeah, well, I think I think you, hit, you were right there with, like, Herbert. You know, you weren't really expecting him to start, at least until – you know, eventually we expect the Chargers to, to Charger and, you know, tank a little bit and go on a, a losing streak. And then at that point, you know, maybe eight, nine games into the year, you could be like, all right, maybe now it's Justin Herbert time. But he was definitely not a guy that we expected to start week two and then just steal the job and go. And I don't necessarily see a Justin Herbert in this in this year's class. Um, 
you know, I think that Lawrence, obviously, you know, he's going to start day one. Um, I would personally like to see Fields go to a place where he could sit for a little bit, like they probably plan to do with Herbert. Um, you know, because I do have a little bit of concern with him coming from that Ohio State offense where it's, you know, very, it's a lot of like one read type stuff. It's very wide open. So I have a little bit of concerns with that, but I think whoever takes, um, you know, Fields is probably going to start him right away, unless it's the Falcons. You know, the Falcons, if they do take a quarterback at the top of the draft, they're likely going to sit him for a year. Um, but that's probably just me being hopeful. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily see them go actually going that route. A lot of people are saying that right now, but it's just too difficult to get out of Matt Ryan's contract for the next like couple years. Um, so, and then with Zach Wilson too, you know, I don't necessarily know if I see them wanting to sit him for a year. So you're the guy you're going to talk about, uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil it here. I think that was a good idea. That was a good call. He's the only one that I see with that potential path. So I don't think there's a Herbert this year. Yeah, I, I had to think really hard about this one. Uh, I, I ended up writing down Trey Lance is my answer um, because I think he is literally the only quarterback if you look at the list. I mean, I guess you could say Desmond Ritter, but like at least people expected Herbert to be a starter like sooner right. rather than later. Like I, I have serious questions about whether Desmond Ritter can be a starting NFL quarterback, you know, at least – permanently you know he might be a spot guy here and there um but i think lance is the only guy where you know he has a really high ceiling i think we want to see him sit for a little bit and learn because he's coming from such a low level of competition and he hasn't really played at all you know he played one year and then one game this year um so he's the only guy because i think like the other guys in that range you know kyle trask like he isn't a high ceiling guy like i I don't have Trask in that range either. And then Mac Jones. Like, I don't think he fits that that either, where he's, you know, he's more steady Eddie than, you know, a high, you know, a high upside guy. So yeah. it's like, it's like, what's that meme? Like the Virgin Mac Jones versus the Chad Trey Lancer. <laughs> like, that's like what I think of between the two. Like, <laughs> it's just like, you know, Mr. Vanilla and then you, you yeah. got Trey Lance over here. So um, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> whatever whatever the wheels are already falling off this show tonight i don't even care uh, so yeah that's the only guy that's the only guy that i can think of. that's yeah. really all i have to say about that yeah and i mean i think you're right like you know part of the appeal of of you know finding a this year's justin herbert is finding a guy who just absolutely breaks out and has like you know big weeks and he's like a potential top 10 top five guy you know down the line you know i i don't have him top five right now you know um, but you know, it, I, I think you might see some people who, you know, bump him up a little bit higher. Uh, I don't see Trask or Mac Jones ever hitting that ceiling. You know, they don't have near the ceiling there. They're more in the Andy Dalton range yeah. of prospects where they're, they can be fine, but they're not going to excite anybody. So yeah, I, I think Trey Lance was the only guy that you could really put on that list. Once you said it, I was like, all right, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch, but you know. I didn't expect Justin Herbert to do that either. So, right. Who knows? Um, next one here. So this year's Jerry Judy, and this is a guy that we think. Well, we didn't really even think this at the time about Jerry Judy, but obviously now, like we're saying that let's be a little bit more patient because he still had a decent statistical year. Um, so he had that big last week to put him up, you know, close to you know, over eight hundred yards, put him close to you know closer to a thousand. It look it looks better on paper than maybe yeah. it, it could have. Um, so who is a guy for you this year, Colin, that you think requires some more patience, uh, before we, we write them off? 
Um, right. So I think that at this time last year, if you said Jerry Judy is a guy who's going to require some patience, I think you would have gotten pushback. And I fully expect to get some pushback on this one. Um, but I think there's a lot of parallels situationally between, and, you know, not talent wise, but situationally between Jamar Chase and Jerry Judy. You know, uh, they're both top talents. You know, Jerry Judy was the wide receiver one for the longest time for everybody. And then CD Lamb kind of made a little bit of a push and, you know, maybe split it down the middle 50 50. And Jamar Chase, same thing. He was a top talent. He was everybody's wide receiver one all offseason. You know, you might have a couple people here and there who had Rondale Moore up there. And, you know, I'm not going to fault you for that at all. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, we got to a point now where Jamar Chase is, he hasn't been on the field. And like I said, you know, everybody tends to lean a little bit, uh, you know, recency bias. So you're starting to see some people question him being the top guy. You know, you're getting a lot of Devonta Smith love out there. There's definitely some Jalen Waddle love. There's, like I said, Rondale Moore. So you're starting to see a lot more of a variety of people. And Jamar Chase has kind of fallen off of the, you know, clear cut wide receiver one uh, pedestal there. Now, obviously, these are two very different receivers stylistically you know jerry judy is much more of the quick uh wide receiver he's much more of a yak guy more of a slot better in the slot type of a guy whereas chase just is you know a, a go up and get it kind of a guy he's much better going deep than he is you know catching the ball and then taking off with it um but i do think you know and chase absolutely dominates versus man coverage you know, when you line him up one-on-one -on -one outside, you know, he's a great release and he just, he can get by a guy very quickly and then it's game over. And that's what you saw a lot from him, you know, and he had a, a big, um, you know, season last year off of, you know, the very similar situation. But my biggest concern with Jamar Chase is you don't, he doesn't have the best feel against zone coverage. You know, he doesn't display you know, the, the feel to find the soft spot, sit down, catch a pass, and then go off of that. And it's partially because it's not what he excels at. You know, it's not what you want him to do. It's not his best thing. So you don't see him do it a lot. But I do have some concerns with him just absolutely dominating man coverage right off the bat at the next level. You know, and he didn't play at all this year. So while that was, you know, potentially a, a good call for him, you know, he didn't risk injury at all or anything like that. I think he could have benefited another year of gameplay just for the mental side of things where you just see him get a better feel, like I said, against zone coverage. You start to see him just see the game a little bit better. And, you know, I think that a combination of those things could see him have a setback in year one. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he's my wide receiver too. And he hasn't really, like he's been there the whole time I've had, I've had Rondale's, um, as wide receiver one outside of like a three day stretch where I like wavered. And then he came, he came back that week and had the big week. And I was like, no, like, yeah, I, he, he knew that I bumped him. He could sense it. He was like, yeah, well, I saw your smile when I said some people had Rondale number one. Yeah. I've, I've had him. I, I just, uh, yeah. The NFL, like we were talking about earlier, the NFL doesn't care anymore about size that much. Like they'll, they'll take pretty much anybody at any size, you know? So I, I mean, I think he's just a monster waiting to happen. Um, I am going to push back on you a little bit. So Chase is obviously dominant in man against man coverage. I think he had like 
like every every sort of he was the leader in every sort of like you know uh, passing percentage against man uh, statistically like most yardage against man like he he crushed it in man coverage last year and and he just does it basically just on physicality and one right like i've never seen a dude just like like it like it's it's a negative when the corner can just get their hands on you but i just like like and it might hamper him a little bit the nfl but like i just don't he just doesn't give a shit if you get your hands on like he you get your hands on him he's just you know he'll try to break your wrist like he'll snap your hand off and go (laughs) man like he doesn't even care which i really appreciate um i will push back a little bit on you though like zone is obviously not what he is best against but I actually think he's pretty good at understanding where those soft spots are in zone. Um, I wish we could have seen him there another year to see more examples of him doing right. it, but I didn't have it down. Like I have it down as a pro. I don't have it down like in okay. my con section. So, and the thing that I think he played, he played like so well against really top competition. Like he almost like upped his game against guys like the the Bama corners last year. I mean, he made AJ Terrell look like he belongs in the XFL, and that dude went in the yeah, first well, round. <laughs> I mean, the Falcons took him, so let's pump the brakes there. He's been okay this year, right? Eh, not really. Okay, no. so maybe he is an XFL corner. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm sure he still has. Like, he still wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like has nightmares and he's like sweating and he's like, oh shit, like Jamar Chase. <laughs> so, uh, and he was uh, uh, Chase for me. Like, I loved him coming out of high school. Like, he's always been a, like my. I think he was my wide receiver three in his class, and he's lived up to that. Which I kind of always have a soft spot for for those kind of guys in my book. Um, right. But like, yeah, like, but like we were saying, you know, with with the guys, people getting their hands on him and not playing for a year, I I could see him struggling early. So I think that was a really good call that I hadn't necessarily thought of. And when I saw you were going to say that, I was like, oh man, I'm I'm interested to hear what he's going to say. Okay, well, hey, I mean, we we got a little bit of our debate going there, you know. Uh, we get get a little bit of disagreement, which is always good. Uh, for the show, it's always good content there. You know, people don't want to hear us agree for an hour every day. But, you know, I, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what you're going to say about your guy, actually, as well. Yeah, so my guy's Tylen Wallace. Um, and for the record, I don't have Tylen Wallace ranked that high. I'm not a Tylen Wallace hater. He, I have a second-round dynasty or a second-round rookie grade on him, which, and, but I have a late second grade, so that's like a late day two range for him. He's my wide receiver 13. And I think I just see him on like top five lists and it just makes me want to cry a little bit <laughs> because I think if you look like you have all this talent in this wide receiver class and you're going to choose this kid that is not the best athlete. He's not the best. Uh, you know, I don't think he has the best statistical profile. He's not huge. Like, I don't think his skill set is particularly value valued at his current size. And he had like, and he's a, he's a senior, like he came back for his senior year. So I think he has a lot of things where people just like look at him through these rose colored glasses and I turn on his stuff and I'm like, yeah, this kid, this kid's good. You know, I, I, I think he can be a really good player in the NFL. I think his ceiling is like, is like a Robert Woods. But I think he's going to take some time 
Like he can do yak stuff and they've used him a little bit in that way in college. But I think that's gotta be where he tailors his game in the NFL because I don't think he can like he's big enough to do the jump ball, go up and get it consistently in the NFL. I just think it's really hard for those guys unless you are either just a superior athlete or have superior size to excel in that game. So I think it's going to take some adjusting for him to learn how to be that guy that you know, has a little bit of nuance in the underneath game. And, uh, you know, just, it just kind of those things I think he's going to have to learn. So I think he is really like going to take almost a red shirt year. I will say though, I think if he is poor this year, I would go out and buy him for sure. Because I think that he, he's a scrappy kid. Like I could see him learning those things. I just don't think he has it now. No, I think that's a, a great pick there for that because I think you're right. I, he is a guy who is going to be doesn't necessarily profile as someone who's going to just be dominant right off the bat. Um, you know, so it's, it, I think it is going to take some time for him, especially coming from that Oklahoma State offense which has traditionally produced like big gaudy numbers for these wide receivers. I mean, you know, his sophomore year, he had 86 for 1,491 yards, 12 touchdowns, you know, which is, you know, right on par with uh, James Washington's senior year there. You know, he had 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns, you know, so that's like a very typical Oklahoma state wide number one wide receiver stat line. So, I'm not saying throw those stats out, but you know you can't look at him statistically just because of that offense. And they just, like I said, they just produce gaudy numbers from the from their wide receiver ones who don't really always translate to the next level. Um, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. You don't see, and it's a little bit scouting the helmet, but you don't see Oklahoma State wide receivers producing a ton at the next level. But I think you're right where. Wallace is a scrappier guy and he shows enough versatility, um, you know, where maybe he's not asked to do a lot of that type of stuff in the offense. Cause they are, you know, a, a deeper passing offense. You know, he has a 16.7 yards per catch for his career. Um, you know, so they throw it deep, you know, James Washington was the same way. Uh, he had 19.8 average yards per catch. So, you know, they, they do throw it deeper a lot, but I think he's a guy who could transition, but you're right. It's going to take a little bit of time for him. Yeah, and I will say, like, I actually almost universally love Oklahoma State wide receivers. I mean, Des Bryant's one of my favorite dynasty players of all time. He won me a championship a couple years ago. I, like, forever love that guy. Justin Blackman is my favorite college wide receiver ever. And this is coming from a huge Pitt fan who, like, the first years of Pitt I can remember were um, Larry Fitzgerald's big years. Um I, Blackman was just like, he was so, so good. And I really like James Washington coming out to year too. I was really happy that the Steelers took him. Um, and he's been serviceable, you know, he hasn't been terrible. He's a nice wide receiver right. three on a roster somewhere. Um, I just, I don't think Wallace is on that level of a prospect yet, but it could be, it could be, um, that is the, he just needs time. Right. I don't think he's on the level of a prospect yet, but I think he profiles a little bit better. I think you know, for, for at least for the long term, the way the NFL is going right now. So I think you're right. I think he's a guy that some people might be a little bit higher on right now, but is a guy who, you know, could disappoint. And then, like you said, it's going to create a buy window, kind of like we did with Jerry Judy here. Yeah. Um, so next uh, category here, we have most likely to see a significant bump 
based on their landing spot. And obviously you can't do this one. Once we find out the landing spots, this is a great time to kind of discuss this. Right. Um, so who, who's a guy for you, Colin, that you think is very landing spot dependent or maybe is a situation where you say if someone goes there that I like, I, I love that. Right. Well, I did, I did cheat a little bit here. Um, yeah, you, so did. Did put- <laughs> you did. It was such a cop out. <laughs> it was a bit of a cop out. Um, you know, it's, it, so I didn't pick a, a specific person. I said, I think the person who's going to see the biggest bump based on landing spot is whatever wide receiver goes to Green Bay. And you kind of figure that they're going to take one at some point here, or they're going to bring somebody in in free agency, or they're going to add a wide receiver in some way. But granted, everybody did say that last year too. And, you know, they take Josiah Degara and, you know, jo- Jordan Love and, you know, they don't take a wide receiver at all. So, you know, they, let's hope they bring in somebody this year. But, you know, this this is a team that, you know, everybody wanted the wide receiver that was going to go there last year. You know, people were, you know, you saw mock drafts. You saw Jalen Rager going there in, you know, mock drafts in round one. And people started to get excited about that. And, you know, you saw Justin Jefferson. I saw him go in there because those were the kind of guys who were going at the end of round one. You know, Brandon Ayuk too. So I think if anybody... I think everybody was getting excited about whatever was going to go there and then nobody does. So I think if somebody goes there this year, you're going to see the same thing where people are going to start hyping that up as a landing spot. And I mean, with good reason, you know, the, the green Bay Packers are ninth in pass yards. Um, you know, they're 26th in pass to run ratio this year, but they were 16th last year. So it's just middle of the road. So I, I do think that's likely to, to even out in there. You're going to, you're going to see an increase in the pass to run ratio next year. You know, I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to be 26th again. So they're probably going to throw the ball a little bit more. You know, this is a a wide receiver that's going to be tied to Aaron Rodgers, which is somebody you've always wanted in their career. And outside of Adams, that depth chart's pretty bare right now. I mean, Alan Lazard did have some nice games. You know, he had a big game against New Orleans. He went six for 146 and a touchdown. Uh, But, you know, beyond that, he kind of disappointed. You know, he didn't really do – he wasn't really fantasy relevant this year and he's, you know, he did only play 10 games, but because he had some injuries, but still, you know, I also think that he's a big body guy too, Lazard and as is Adams. So I think if you see a slot wide receiver go there too, you're going to see an even bigger bump. And like we mentioned with Marshall really being the only alpha profile here, you know, I think you could see us them go after a more of a slot guy. And like I said, I think if that happens, that's where you're going to see the biggest bump. Did Matt Miller have uh, Elijah Moore going there today in his like mock that he dropped on Twitter? Did I imagine that? Did you see that? Uh, I didn't see that. Now I, okay. I do. I do like Matt Miller a lot, so uh, I do usually try to follow his stuff. But today was a was a pretty busy day with work, and uh, you know we have, we were working on a very exciting project. Um, you know we were working pretty hard on that. So I didn't get to see that today. Yeah, I, th- I think he did, which that that's like totally fits what you just said. Like that's a guy that just rocket ship just, you know. Yeah. He's going to go from like a guy that you take at like 210 to like 108. Like he'll, yeah. he'll go up so high. Like so if that happens, I'll have no Elijah Moore, which sucks. Right. But, you know, that them's the breaks, I guess. And somebody else will fall as a result. Um, right. So I know I said last segment that I'm not a Tylen Wallace hater. 
the guy I'm going to talk about this time, I am a, I am a hater. I'm a Chuba Hubbard hater. <laughs> like I have you been, always off, have been. Yeah, I've been off this kid. Like so, uh, in fair, like I had him in a C2C last year, and I, like, I was pushing for a ship, and I, I, um, I should have won that championship, man. It hurts so bad. I think about it from time to time. It just, I had like Hubbard, Higgins, Devonta Smith, Mike, uh, Michael Jeff, Pittman, Justin and Justin Jefferson. My team was so freaking good, and I got tripped up by some freaking IDP guy that had like 50 points in the semifinals. Uh, it was such a heartbreaker, but then I traded Chuba Hubbard away this off season. Um, I had a guy in that league that really liked Chuba and I got, I did Chuba, Kellen Mond and um, um, uh, who's the Florida state running back that you talked about a couple, uh, uh Sean Corbin. Uh, I traded the three of them for CMC. So I was like, yeah. like he sent me that offer and I was like, Mm. yeah it was like one of those where you have to be like let me think about it for a second so you don't sound like too eager and, <laughs> and blow your cover but so I, sh- I shipped him away and i'm so happy that i was able to find a buyer because i just don't like his game at all he's a very oh did i not up did i not open those notes oh there they are so <laughs> um i i will give him credit there are some things that he does really really well he is amazing on outside zone stuff like probably one of the better players coming out of college I've ever seen like with at that particular skill. And when he gets, if he gets an inch of space out in the open field, he's gone. Like you aren't going to catch. Him. I mean, it's like a, it's like a world-class youth sprinter. So yeah. that's not like a surprising thing. I'd be pretty disappointed if he wasn't like that. And he does run a little bit tougher, like at base, you know, when when he comes into contact than maybe you would think based on his size. But my big problems with him is that he's not huge. Um, I think last year he was 6'1, 207, and I think he weighed in pretty similarly this year. It's it's a pretty low weight for his height. He looks slight. And if you're that size, I think you have to be a very good pass catcher. Like maybe not even like you have to at least be a plus and possibly a weapon. And I think he's neither. I think his hands are okay, but he, I don't think he's a natural receiver. It doesn't ever seem like he trusts his hands fully. He's kind of like Travis Etienne in that sense where there are guys like maybe you're okay dumping off from time to time, but you're not like, you know, scheming them open, like, you know, wheel routes and like stuff deep downfield. And like Kamara does like over the middle where they give them all those options, that option stuff to kind of go out there and run. I don't think he can do any of that. I don't think he moves laterally particularly well. I think he's, he's a little bit stiffer kind of like Amon Ra, where he, he does struggle a little bit at times to, to move. If you know, that one cut just isn't there that he can hit real quick. And he runs very upright. Like it's way too upright for my liking. Like he, his center of gravity, like, you know, you want it low and his is like at his nipples, like, <laughs> like you hit that kid and he's just going. So I don't know. He Like I have him RB 13 and I feel like that's like insultingly low, but it just like speeds. Like I, like he's just going to go too high. I'm not going to take him anywhere because like, yeah, if someone else is just going to like him a lot more than me. So yeah, I, but if he goes to, and I've been saying like, this isn't just like, and everyone's like, well, if he goes to San Fran, I really like him. I've been saying this for months. I think if Hubbard goes to San Fran, they run the kind of system where he can really thrive. Um, 
And there might be one or two other teams in the league that would allow him to do that. I don't think there are that many. Um, so I think if he doesn't go to a team like that, he's he's not he's not going to be a fantasy asset at all. Yeah, no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Everybody wants him to go to San Fran, um, and I mean they are going to have you know an opening there because um, I, Coleman's a free agent and McKinnon's a free agent, and I think Jeff Wilson is. I think he's a restricted rights free agent. Um, so they're going to have some openings there, but they do still have Mostert, um, you know, who's does pretty much everything that Chuba does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, the, the thing that obviously jumps out with you with Schubert is that, like you said, that breakaway home run hitting speed, you know, if he gets an inch of daylight, you know, he's gone, you're not catching him. Uh, but I, th- and I, and I think you're right. He is very average lateral agility. Um, you know, it's, it's not a strong point of his, you know, especially for, for his size, like you want him to be a little shiftier and he doesn't really have great footwork in the hole either. You know, he, I mean, he can make a guy miss in the open field, but you know, that's more of like, you know, him just being more fluid and just like seeing the guy and having the vision and then, you know, kind of outrunning him. Um, so I think that that's a, a great point where, you know, he has that name recognition still because he's in the back of people's minds. So if he goes to a really good situation, I think you're going to see him shoot back up everybody's draft boards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's just a guy that he's going to go too early. I am not going to have any of them. So I don't really care where I rank them because it just, it, I'm not going to get them. So yeah, right. whatever. Um, all right. Moving on to our last category here for tonight. And this is biggest bust candidate. And I always feel really bad trying to predict this kind of stuff because I hope everybody succeeds. I don't root right. against anybody. You know, I want these guys like if Chuba Hubbard goes and has a 2000 yard NFL season. Awesome. Good for him. He can show me wrong. He can like pull out a huge cut out of my tweet that like on the <laughs> sideline. And then he just writes like, fuck you at the bottom and he just holds it up and like waves it. And I'm just like, oh man, that's he awesome. Yeah. He got me. Like I, I, I hope everybody ha- that happens for everybody, but it's just not possible. So if you have to pick a guy, Colin, who who is someone you think has a lot of potential to go that route? Yeah, so we're getting a little controversial on this show here. You know, I mentioned Chase as my guy you're going to need to see patience with, you know, a guy who might disappoint a little bit year one. Um, and I think I'm going to get a little, maybe a little bit of pushback here for this one too. But uh, my biggest bust candidate, and I don't mean a total bust, for the record, like I think this guy is going to have a like a successful NFL career. I think he's a guy who's going to stick around on a roster for a while. I just don't think he's going to live up to his reputation, and I don't think he is. I don't think he's going to necessarily be the fantasy asset that you want him to be at the next level. And that guy for me is Travis Etienne. You know, he's everybody's wide receiver or RB one or two in this class. You know, most people, I think, have kind of come around to putting Najee at one, Um, you know, so I think you're going to see him be mostly in the RB2 range. But this is a weak class overall, like we've been saying, like it's one and two and then like just a bunch of Jags. And I'm not even necessarily convinced ETN is going to be this top tier uh, fantasy asset. You know, I think this is this class is more along the lines of, and I mean, you've said it before, it's more along the lines of the Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders type of a class where it's, you know, those two guys, like people like them, you know, but it's just not going to be last year's class. I don't even know. I don't even know if it's that level. I don't have either of these two running backs graded as high as I had Sanders and Jacobs. 
Um, so okay. I think it's even a little bit lower than that personally, but. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, if, if I know if he had come out last year for me, you know, he would have been, uh, I don't have any grades finalized right now, but he probably, he would not have been ahead of um, Swift, Taylor, Dobbins, or Acres for me. He probably would have slotted in right up at five above CEH, but I do like Najee. So, you know, if Najee had come out last year too, at the same time, you know, I could have seen him in the six range. And then once CEH went to the Chiefs, like we talked about before, you know, you saw a big bump there. So, you know, now you're looking at the six, seven range in last year's class. Um, so when you compare it like that, you know, it, like I said, it's a weak class. So yes, he's RB2 here, but he's going to go earlier than what people want what people should be spending on him just because of positional value at the running back position. Cause everybody wants, you know, that uh, elite young running back that'll carry your team to a championship. And I just don't think he's necessarily going to be that because he's not great in the past game, which is pretty well known. You know, he can, he can catch some dump offs and stuff like that, but he doesn't really look natural doing it. And, you know, he's never going to be a weapon in the past game. You know, I don't even know if he'll necessarily even turn into a point where he's a plus asset in the past game. Um, so, you know, at that point, you know, you're looking at more of like a two down type of a guy. And to me, when I watch him, I see the upgraded version of Tevin Coleman, you know, he's got great speed. Um, you know, ETN does have better contact balance, I think, than Coleman. So like, that's, you know, where you see the upgrade, but you know, I, I think great speed, one cut runner, you know, mo mostly does stuff on the, mostly does his work on the outside, but I think he's going to be a guy who's going to need a one, two punch. And, you know, Tevin Coleman had some great fantasy years. You know, Tevin Coleman was an RB2 for a while, uh, you know, for a couple of years there. And, you know, he's still a guy that, you know, is hanging around on, on people's rosters. He's still a guy that you can start at times. Um, you know, if he was splitting time there in San Francisco, it was a great scheme for him. Um, so you're talking about guys who, if they go to San Francisco, could see a bump. I think ETN would fit in that category as well. Um, but you know, I just, I don't see him living up to his hype right now. So that's why I put him as my bust candidate. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. Um, it's really like you, we get caught up during the season, like in, like in narratives, whether we want to say that we do or not, I think it's really hard not to. We, yeah, um, it is. Like, and I know, like I, I, I have moved Najee ahead of him, but I went and like was reading through my profile on ETN the other day. And like it, it does make me remember like why I had him one coming into the year in the first place, because I think like his ceiling is just is is higher than Najee's in my opinion. But yeah, I mean you pretty you pretty much hit the nail on the head. The only thing that I will say like I think he's a an, a decent mental processor. He's a great mental processor in the open field, like very yeah. very very good. But he like in in um like at the line in tight spaces. He's not the kind of guy that, you know, you're going to see him setting up blocks, you know, one, two, three, three levels in advance. I just don't think he can do that, um, right. which you would like to see. Like, I think if he could do that, I would be a, like, I, I think I would be a lot higher on him, but I haven't seen him do a ton of that. So that that hurts him in my eyes. And yeah, he just can't catch. Like you said, I mean, there are people like you go on Twitter and you say this and people will, like roast you for it. I think it's becoming a little more accepted to say that like, well, he caught 40 passes this year. It's like, yeah, but they're like, like it's dump offs. Like if you look at, if you go on PFF and look at his um, like receiving chart, it's all stuff within like within five yards of the line of scrimmage. A lot of it's behind the line. And then they're just trying to get him in space and let him do some work. 
So yeah, I I like that call, and I think he, I could easily see it happening. Yeah, and and like I said, the, the Tevin the upgraded Tevin Coleman's not a knock. I mean, Tevin Coleman had, like I said, he had those nice years in Atlanta where he was, you know, hey, I was an RB two, especially when Freeman went down. Still bouncing around the league, still, you know, yeah, I think he's a free agent right now from San Francisco, but I expect him to latch on somewhere. He had a 2,000-yard season in college when he was at Indiana, so people forget about that too. But, you know, so this isn't to say I don't like ETN. Like, I think he's going to be fine. It's just relative to your price that you're going to have to pay for him because I think you're going to have to pay a top-five pick. It Maybe not top-five in Superflex, maybe six, but, you know, top-five definitely and not Superflex. So I think you're going to have to pay that price for him, and it's just not going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah, so I also chose a running back, and I've had a lot of debates with Matt Bruning about this over on Debbie Debate. He's not here, so I can say whatever I want without repercussion, at least until next Wednesday when I have to talk to him, <laughs> talk to him on the show again. So maybe he'll forget by then. I don't know, because the national championship game's on Monday. So uh, yeah. that's true. Whatever I say today, still, like, if they win, he'll still be hung over for Wednesday, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. this will be totally out of his, his memory. So I, I'm comfortable saying it. it like, I... I can't Javante Williams. I cannot get behind him. He is my running back three. Although I need to sit down. Like I, I did sit down and watch him. I watched four games a couple weeks ago and a couple of them were all 22, which was nice. Um, but I want to sit down now. And now that I, once I get a chance here to watch like Trey Sermon in depth, because I think I like Trey Sermon more than him. Uh, but I, it like if this class just drops off so much after one, two, man, like I'm just not that comfortable picking any of these running backs after this. Like I, I probably would just really not walk out of drafts with running backs this year, um, you know. If if a Trey Sermon falls to like two oh six, then or even like a Ramondre Stevenson falls to that, then I would probably take one of those two. But I I can't bring myself to spend a pick earlier than that when there's just so many uh, safes. Are the wrong word because it makes it seem like it's like a you know. Yeah, but like there are just so many receivers that I think have much higher potential than any of these running backs. And I've talked all, like I said, I've talked all about this with Javante. He's got nice size. He's got a nice skill set that the NFL is going to like. He's got good hands, but he's not very shifty. You know, he, he's elusive and like he, like he's elusive in the sense that he just like runs through arm tackles, which is okay. It's good. But again, it hinders you busting off 60, 70 yard runs when, you know, you're not, you're not hitting that second level of defense at full speed. You know, you're kind of tripped up a little bit. And like I said, a billion times, like he just doesn't do anything outside of his size better than Michael Carter does for me in that offense. So I don't know how you can say that he's why he's like RB three and that Michael Carter is probably no better than like RB six. And I've seen him a lot lower than that. A lot of places. And you like the, that difference isn't just size to me. So I don't really know what to do with the guy, but I think for where, like I, I just saw somebody, I just saw, I'm not, I'm not going to name drop them, but somebody that I, that I respect very much. That is a cohort of mine at dynasty nerds say that he would take him at the 105 and that just like I can't do that I, I that's nowhere near, like maybe the 110 111 but like I think even the first round is a stretch for that like I have a second round grade on him I have him graded similarly to where I had CEH last year and I had CEH as like a late day two guy and like a mid 
second round draft pick for dynasty purposes. So I'm, that's a whole round earlier than that grade. No, like I can't do it. I just can't do it. So if that's a guy that if you're, if you're spending that kind of price on him, like I would rather just trade that pick for like Antonio Gibson or something. I feel yeah. a lot better about Antonio Gibson. I think you could get Gibson probably for, maybe for cheaper than that. I don't really know, but so I'd rather do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit it perfectly. Like um, Javante Williams, like he's a very consistent running back. You know exactly what you're going to get with him, but he's never going to wow you except for, you know, when he like runs over a guy, like just absolutely crushes him. But just from a just pure skill standpoint, he's never going to wow you. He's never going to, you know, but you said never going to break off these like huge long runs, at least not with any consistency. He's going to have to break, you know, four or five tackles to do that. And that's cool. You know, he can do that. Like, that's fine. But it's not something that is going to be sustainable over the long term. You know, he's a, just a very solid running back. Be a good patience and vision, great contact balance, but it just not really inspiring for me. He can't really, he can catch passes, but it's not really something he does super well. I don't think I would call him a plus in the passing game. So, yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you nailed it. Relative to where you're going to have to buy him, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much out and, yeah, and a trend on that for the running backs in general. Yeah. And, and people that are way smarter than me with the numbers and stuff, um, have broken down like where, like what defenses, what level of defenses he was getting his, his yardage against this year. And he was feasting on lower rated defenses. Um, Carter actually outperformed him uh, against stronger defenses. Yeah. So we, like, I mean, the, the, I think that narrative started after the Notre Dame game where people were like, Oh, like, cause he, he didn't do anything against Notre Dame and Carter, like he, he gets stuffed behind the line a little bit, but he's also, he, he was more, th- he, he burst, he bust a couple longer runs. So um, I, I think that's, that's where that came from. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's about all I have to say about that. I mean, I can't, I can't keep harping on this kid that much. Right. But yeah, I just, yeah. I, I just won't own any of them and that's okay. You know, there's some guys you just, I've never, I've literally never owned Derrick Henry in a single league. No, me um, either. Redraft dynasty C2C, like whatever. I've never had best ball. I've never had him. Um, so he'll probably just be one of those guys for me. Maybe he turns out like Derrick Henry. And then by that point I just can't buy him. but right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that is the show for tonight. Um, just, uh, one big housekeeping thing here before we wrap up. Um, if we have something in the works here and that will be happening in the next week or two, and we, a little bit of a giveaway of sorts, and that's all I'm going to say about it, but it's only going to involve those that have rated and reviewed and subscribed to the podcast on Apple podcasts. So we don't get like we're we get a solid amount of downloads for like how far into the show we are, <laughs> but we're not getting like a thousand a week either. So there is a limited pool. It's a really cool giveaway item. You guys are really going to like it. It might be a Jersey. It might be signed. I can't say who it's by, <laughs> but it's really cool. It's a college Jersey. So um, seriously, we only have two reviews right now. That's the pool that you're competing against. So you know, go, it costs you nothing to go on Apple podcast to write us a review. Tell us we're great. Tell us we suck. Tell us we're cute. We don't really care what you say. (laughs) Give us a review. You'll get entered to win and you'll be happy that you did it. 
Yeah, I mean, you you did a good job setting it up there, um, but you know, the the reason we're not we're we're being a little vague, a little dodgy right now is we don't want to give too much away, but. You know, if you've listened since episode one, episode two, we, you know, you've known we've had something in the work, something pretty big here in the works for a while. Um, you know, we've hinted at it a little bit. So and it's something that we're really excited about. And that's what's going to kind of coincide with this giveaway is is when we, um, you know, drop finally stop teasing and finally drop the content for you guys. Yeah. So when we do that, then we're going to give a lot more details for it. But you know, you may as well get in early, get your subscriptions, in, you know, subscribe, rate, review, get that stuff in now. So that way you're already entered. You don't have to worry about it. You know, we're going to check that stuff, but you're also always welcome to DM us, you know, a screenshot of it if you want. That way we definitely have your name down. Yeah. Yeah. Either DM it to us just to make sure DM us so we can put, uh, you know, a, a name on there to a, an account right away and we yeah. can contact you directly or you, so you can DM us. We are, I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at campus to Canton, the, le- the number two in the middle there, all one word. Or you can email us. We are campus to Canton, just like Colin's uh, Twitter handle at gmail.com. So those are going to be the easiest ways to get in touch with us to let us know that you have gone and done that. Um, and you really don't want to miss out, guys. So, And we're yeah. fun to talk to on Twitter anyway. So even if you don't want to enter, you just want to say hi. Um, sometimes we're funny on there. Sometimes we think we're funny on there and we're not. That's mostly me. Colin's mostly funny. I, I mostly think I'm funny, but I'm not. But I'll take that. I'll take that compliment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, I love to just quick note before we leave. I love how you were losing that poll that I put out yesterday about who actually was wearing the pants for that for that show. Yeah, <laughs> was I? I actually never went back yeah. to check it, but yeah, I asked. Were, I, <laughs> you, there was I asked, one vote for you. I asked in the uh, in the after show, and none of us were. So yeah. none none <laughs> none was the correct answer to that. Yeah, I think that was what won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a safe bet. I think, uh, it wasn't Javante Adams at one of five, you know, that, it wasn't that <laughs> of, the, of the Twitter poll world. So, all right, guys, so that's all our, that's all we've got for tonight. Uh, we'll see you guys again Sunday, Monday for campus life. Um, until then enjoy your weekend guys and enjoy. Cause I don't know if we'll have the pot out by the time the national championship game goes, goes on or not. So if we don't enjoy that game, we look forward to talking about that coming up here. All right. Have a good one, guys.